Welcome in to the Burger Smokehouse PowerMizzou.com dance class post-game show after a game that I don't really know how to sum up. Um, I've been covering Missouri for 18 years. There's not many that kind of stack up with that one in terms of just sheer excitement. Uh, to be honest, I mean, one of the more exciting games we've seen in a long time, Missouri down 12 with 440 to go, down six with a minute 45 to go. Two Missouri players score career highs, Xavier Pinson and Jeremiah Tillman. Conzo Martin called neither of them the MVP in the postgame press conference. I mean, a game that Missouri had to win, a loss that would absolutely have hammered Missouri's resume, and they take care of it. They come back. They get the win, and I see your guys' comments that there's an echo. I had a button not pressed. I've pressed it now. It should be fixed. So the audio should be fine. I tell you what, you had plenty of time to make yourself a, uh, a sandwich during that game, whether you use pulled pork, ham, turkey, whatever you used. I hope you got it from Burger Smokehouse. They sponsor this for us every single time we do it. By the end of the year, there's going to be about 20 shows. Uh, maybe more than that. Who knows the way this season goes. But uh, Burger Smokehouse, locally owned, family operated in California, Missouri. You can get all their stuff at smokehouse.com. You can get it at various grocery stores across the state of Missouri. I imagine a lot of Missouri Tigers need a meal to recharge after that one. The only one that really comes to mind for me is the four overtime game about 20 years ago against Iowa State. I think Clarence Gilbert hit 12 three-pointers in that game, went 12 for 18 from deep. Uh, it's the first time since that game Missouri has had two 30-point scores. Um, the, other, the other game that came to mind for me was the NCAA tournament game against Marquette. I believe it was the 03 tournament when Ricky Paulding scored 36 points and Arthur Johnson scored 28. That was Pinson and Tillman today. Pinson hit eight three-pointers that tied a Mizzou Arena record, tied the third most in program history in a single game. Tillman was 13 of 16 from the floor, was absolutely unstoppable. Kobe Brown came up huge. Drew Smith, after sitting most of the first half, came up huge. Mark Smith, after not starting and not doing anything for the first 30 minutes or so, came up with a huge three-pointer and some great defense down the stretch. We're going to take your calls. We're take it, we see all your comments, and we will get to them in the chat. But what we always do to start this thing is hear from the coach. We just finished with Conzo Martin in his post-game press conference. We're going to play that for you, 8, 10 minutes, then we'll come back. We'll break it all down. We'll take your comments, your calls, all that. For as long as you guys want to talk about it, Missouri, again, a 101-98 winner over TCU in overtime in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Here's Conzo Martin. Um, man, good win. Um, I, I think one would consider it an exciting game if you're just watching it as a fan. Uh, scoring the ball. They did a great job scoring the ball, attacking the rim. We shot the ball well. Uh, I just think, you know, coming off that Auburn game, we didn't defend well, especially that middle ball screen. And we didn't do it a great job in this game. They were attacking one-on-one. -on -one. And then we just kind of went to a change in our defense, our trapping defense, and it kind of changed the tone for us, set a different tone. In offense, we had to be more aggressive, more assertive. And we made some threes. The guys did well, and I'm, I'm proud of the guys, the way they fought, the way they competed. And uh, 
happy for Tilly, you know, career high, happy for X. X always can score the ball, but have 36. That's a lot of points, so I'm happy for him. But I said to the guys, my MVP would, would be Kobe Brown. Just the way he was relentless on the glass, getting deflections, defending, rebounding, uh, little things, screening, keeping balls alive, man. And, and oftentimes you don't get rewarded for that, man. But to him, I have 13 rebounds and he had five big ones. So I'm happy for the team, but really happy for him. All right, raise your hands. We'll go to questions. Colin O'Brien. Yeah, Conzo, with about f five minutes left, you see you up 82-70. They seem to have sucked all the energy out of the building. Just what did you tell your guys in that timeout? Oh, man, in, in a nutshell, the same stuff we always talk about, man. This is whatever happens. And again, I didn't say all of this, but whatever happens, you have to learn from this situation. Um, and I, I never understood why teams would, would give up in situations like that, because what's the worst thing that happen? You lose a game. So why not try to win the basketball game and work extremely hard, do the things that we practice and let's give ourselves a chance. And that's really shifting your mindset because, you know, human nature, that, that type of lead, Crowds out of no momentum. You're ready to give up and quit. And they just dug deep, made plays, drove the ball, executed stuff that we talked about in practice. Mark made a big three. Uh, again, X, I mean, Kobe got a great rebound. Had the wherewithal to hit X for that three. Drew had a great drive. Tilly finishing and one, man. Just a, just a great, great team win, man. Ben Hockman. <clears throat> yes, yes, coach. Sorry about that. Um, I want to ask you about Xavier Pinson specifically. Just in your own words, can you describe his, his deluge of three-pointers? Uh, I mean, they, they went down. I mean, he's a, I mean, you know, X is one of those guys. He practiced all the time. He works on his game, um, driving a ball, shooting threes. And uh, he's, he's at his best when he's shooting rhythm threes. Now, he made some tough ones tonight. But he spends a lot of time. He's one of those guys that never really get tired. Um, but, but 36, I mean, I'm not shocked by the 36 because if, if it's 100 points, he's somewhere in the ballpark with that because he can score the ball. Um, you know, again, happy for him. I'm happy for him. Mitchell Forty. Conzo, I know Mark wasn't hitting shots for a lot of the game, but he had that late three. And then I, I know you switched him onto Miles for a good portion of the second half. I guess what can you say about him kind of staying engaged in his defense down the stretch? I mean, Mark, Mark's approach is a professional. He goes about his business. He works on his game. We need him to, um, you know, we want him to shoot balls. We need him to make shots. And I was happy to see that one as a play we ran in. And just depending on how you defend it, one of those two guys between him, Mark and Drew open, Mark stepped up and knocked it down. So really happy for him, man. Um, and again, he's always going to be a guy that plays hard and plays defense. And uh, we got to get him going because we need him in order for it to be the team that we need to be or we want to be. Eric Blum. Conzo, you talked a lot about uh, playing defense without fouling. Did your team do a better job of that tonight? Because I think getting to the foul line really Spark this comeback, regardless of whether you made those free throws or not. I thought we did. A, uh, I, I don't think we did a great job defending. Again, you have to get credit where, where it's due. They have two guards. Miles is a freshman. Them hard. There's two good guards that can get to the rim. They can make plays. They can get to the rim. We didn't do a great job defending one-on-one -on -one defense. Uh, they did some different actions, and, and no excuses at all. When you don't have a lot of prep time, because often time in league play, you're familiar with the opponent, um, and then you obviously you make adjustments in games like this. Um, but, yeah, just we, we have to be better with our own ball defense, a one-on-one -on -one defense. That was, that was the first thing I put on the board when it comes to our defensive assignments, you know, toughness, uh, grit, one-on-one -on -one challenges. We have to embrace those because those, those two guys that get to the rim and then 
you know, oftentimes it's easy to say, okay, go block a shot. When you have a seven-foot guy right at, on the backside, it, put, it puts your big guy in vulnerable situations to step up and help. Should I help? Should I help? And, that, and that's not easy. Um, but, again, we'll get back to the drawing board and, and try to tighten the screws up with our one-on-one -on -one defense. Dave Matter. Kanzo, you've said before you'd like when Jeremiah has a matchup with another big guy like that. What about that matchup tonight works so well for Jeremiah, just how efficient he was scoring? Well, I just think it's been a different Jeremiah ever since, in my opinion, that, that layup against Liberty. When, when X delivered up, I just think he changed his mindset and realized, uh, you know, I'm just as good as any big. I'm, uh, and he's as strong as anybody in America, whether you're NBA or not. He's a strong guy. And I think oftentimes you, you learn at your own pace and, and who you are. And I think he has a comfort level in recognizing who he is as a basketball player. And and if, you, if you're defending him one-on-one, -on -one, I'm taking those chances all night long. It just because he's going to move you and you got to make a decision at some point. And then if he's making his free throw and you're still one-on-one, -on -one, uh, these, these are probably results that you'll see. Clint Switzer. Yeah, Coach, um, TCU had been kind of struggling to score the ball uh, in, in their last few games. What, what, what did they do and kind of what challenges did they present today to, to where it wound up seeing them, you know, shooting 55% from the field and, and really making a high-scoring effort here? I mean, they made shots, they made plays, they played with confidence. And uh, again, I don't think we defended as well, but give those guys credit. They, they're all good one-on-one -on -one players. They make plays, um, but we didn't defend as well. And, and you know, oftentimes, you know, as a coach, you have to go back and look at the scouting important game plan. And I think one area that I would have changed is like we did later was reading the ball screens and that kind of took their momentum and their rhythm out. And we start trapping the ball screens. Uh, so again, probably moving forward, that's something you would focus on, but valuable lesson for us. Parker. Hey, Coach, uh, obviously you guys got two pretty big games coming up against Kentucky and Alabama. Um, you know, what was the sense? Was this kind of a, a must win for you guys to get back on track or what, what was the Never. For me, I, you might ask the guys, never a must win for me. It's just doing your job to the best of your abilities. Uh, I, I think you approach them all the same. You put forth your best effort, let the chips fall where they may. Aiden? Coach, Kobe Brown didn't have that 30-point night that Tillman and Pinson had for you guys, and you touched on that a little bit at the start. What's it like having someone like him, uh, especially a young guy who can and is willing to impact the game in other ways besides scoring? It was huge. I mean, I mean Kobe's a good all-around player. I mean, similar to, uh, you know, John Tate Porters and Drew Smith, those guys impact. It's not just scoring, rebounding, steals, assists. So, so it's not always their gauge is how many points they scored. It's all the other things. And I mean, like I said, those are big-time rebounds. Uh, with a team that can make threes and spreading you out like that. Because, again, him, him guarding guys that can make shots, I, I got to know when to help inside. I got to know when to recover. That's that's not easy, especially when you're sitting looking down 12. I mean, what do we do? Um, but but to him to go get some – he got some big ones. He got some big ones on the defensive side of the ball as well. So, Uchi. Hey, Konzo, I know Drew had to sit for a lot of that first half with two fouls. Just Did, did he maybe bring a stabilizing presence once, once he got to play a little bit more in the second half? Yeah, I think so. But also, you're talking about a guy that's a starter, uh, one of your guys you count on. I mean, I, I don't know any team that's very effective without key guys. You, you, because as, as teammates, you count on whatever that production is, that presence, you count on that. And, it's, and you're not going to be the team you, you need to be when your key guys are in foul trouble or not in games. I mean, just not the same team. And uh, I thought he made big plays. He didn't score a lot, but I thought he made big plays. I thought he had a presence on the defensive side of the ball. And, and down the stretch with four fouls, he was strong. Dave Matter. Mark plays 
starters minutes, but you go with Javon. Kind of what went into that? And what what you hoping to see out of that change? Uh, the biggest thing for Mark is just to breathe, just just relax and breathe. When 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 you work as hard as he works, of course you want to see the benefits of your labor, your hard work. Uh, so I understand that, but he's he's pressing so hard, and now he's not productive. You know, just just relax and let it come to you. Because obviously, we want him shooting the ball. His teammates want him shooting the ball. And just let it come to you. And, and, and I'm hopeful that. So and I've always been a guy. I'm not big on changing lineup. So it's not necessarily changing lineup like like Mark was bad. It just we we need him to breathe, relax, and, and hopefully regroup because he can get, he'll he'll be back out there hopefully soon. And and, and Javon, whether you're off the bench or start, Javon just want to win. So. We have that type of team that we, that we don't get consumed with that. Mason? Yeah, uh, Coach, sorry, going off uh, the last question. Uh, how do you think that Javon performed in the new role? Oh, it's all the same to Javon. Just, he just happened to be starting and just, I mean, I thought he was solid. I mean, he, he's going to compete. He's going to play hard and whatever else happens. Javon is going to be Javon. He's a construction worker 24-7, so it doesn't matter whether he's off the bench or starting. He's going to do what he does. We've got two more for quotes, and then we'll be done. Zach Sobel. Conzo, you touched on Drew Smith earlier. Uh, kind of what was the extent of his injury in the first half, and what were your conversations like with him at halftime? His injury, man, I, I can't remember. I know he went down, but whatever it was, it, it wasn't an issue. Maybe he talked to the trainers, but I, I couldn't even tell you. I, really, I know he had two fouls in the first half, but other than that, I couldn't even tell you about the injury. All right, so that was Conzo Martin after Missouri's 101-98 overtime win over TCU. Uh, we are going to get to your calls and comments and all that. We're going to put the number up on the screen. If you want to give us a call, there it is, 573-234-4935. Give me about 10 seconds, and the phone lines are open, so you will be able to get in touch with me. Give me a call, 573-234-4935. We'll talk about whatever you guys want to talk about from this one. Obviously, you start with Jeremiah Tillman. I mean, I wasn't sure anybody else was going to score for Missouri at one point. I think he had 19 at halftime, 18 or 19 points at halftime. Look, the free throws are an issue, right? But it was better today than it was at Auburn. He was 3 for 11 at Auburn, 7 for 15 today. If Jeremiah Tillman gets to the line double-digit times in a game, you're going to take it. His sixth double-double in eleven in nine games, 33 points, 11 boards, only three turnovers, only three fouls, played 35 minutes, team-high 35 minutes in an overtime game. Nobody ever thought we would say that about Jeremiah Tillman. Um, I, I don't remember the last time we talked about how he couldn't stay on the floor. Um, he is averaging over 30 minutes, I think, in about the last four games, maybe more than that. Phenomenal effort from the big man. What that does, eventually, you're going to have to make some shots. And and let's not gloss over the fact, hey, when you go 11 for 23 from three-point range, things look a lot better, right? Um, apparently, Missouri, by the way, won 102-98. I said 101-98 uh, because apparently I ignored the last uh, – Last 10 seconds. I don't know what happened there. But anyway, Missouri 102-98. I have finally gotten the score correct. Um, and so I shorted somebody a point there. I think it was Drew Smith from the free throw line late. But it started with Tillman and then Pinson. I mean, look, the, the guy's not a good three-point shooter. I, I'm not going to let today change that. He's like a 26% three-point shooter for his career, something like that. But eight for 13 today. Every time Missouri needed one, he hit one. 
had a couple of huge ones late, including the one that tied the game at 89 with 3.4 seconds to go. None of the rest of it matters if he doesn't make that shot. It came on, on an offensive rebound from Kobe Brown, which a lot of Missouri stuff late came from Kobe Brown. 13 rebounds. The offensive rebounds late were absolutely huge. Drew Smith had a, a – he was out much of the first half. A driving left-handed layup high off the glass that was huge down the stretch. And and Mark Smith, again, we touched on it. I believe Missouri was down 84-78 with a minute 45 left. They call a play for, for Mark Smith, who has made virtually nothing in the last three weeks. His only three-pointer of the day, his only shot of the day that went in, three-pointer from the right wing made it 84-81 allowed Missouri to have some hope that they could tie this game and win it in overtime. Look, not – I mean, it wasn't pretty. It's not a huge resume builder, right? This this is a game Missouri couldn't afford to lose. But like Ed says, ugly win, but is that what respectable teams do, win ugly and maybe games they should lose? I'm going to argue that's what good teams do. Good teams win when they don't play that well. Missouri didn't play that well today. I mean, yeah, the, the shots went in. Tillman played well. But they didn't play much defense, and they ran into a team that was shooting lights out. What usually happens when Missouri runs into a team like that? They get beat. They didn't get beat today. They kept pace with them. They kept taking the punches. They kept answering. Good teams – look, Missouri's good enough to win games when they play an A game against most teams. They're not good enough to win a lot of games when they play a, a B or a C game. But they did that today. Now, part of that is they're playing TCU, and TCU played out of its head and still wasn't quite good enough to win the game. But good teams win when they don't have their A game. That's what Missouri did today, um, and they deserve a lot of credit. And we're not going to ignore the first 38 minutes of the game, right? There were a lot of problems. But it's always better to fix those problems after a win. The only thing that matters is that you score more points than the other team. I actually – Told a couple of friends of mine I, during the game, I said, I don't know, I, I can't pinpoint what this team does well except win. They just always score more points than, or usually score more points than the other team. And sometimes I don't know how they get it done, but they do get it done. And, you know, David un, down 12 with, I think it was 440 to go when they were down 12, thought it was over. I Look, don't feel ashamed of that. So did a lot of people. Now, here's what you need to avoid doing. Just don't share your thoughts publicly when they're down 12 with 440 to go, right? Just hold off just in case. Maybe they come back, and then you can pretend you were with yourself or with your team and and had their backs the whole way. I mean, none of us did. We all thought they were losing. With 440 to go, everybody thought that game was over. I think maybe TCU and Jamie Dixon thought that game was over, and maybe that figures in a little bit. I don't know, but um, heck of an effort to come back, and, and, and again, that's what good teams do. And in the end, on Selection Sunday, nobody's going to say, but they were down 12 to TCU with 440 to go. They're going to look and go, eh, they beat TCU on January 30th. Good for them. Uh, Kevin Rogers says the deed wasn't great, but TCU made some unbelievable shots. They did. Now – 
I thought in the first half it was largely Missouri couldn't stay in front of their guards, and and that's an issue, I think. But you heard Conzo talk about making a defensive adjustment, and that's where coaching comes in that, that I don't think he'll get credit for because watching that game, I don't think most of us thought, oh, look, they made an adjustment and started trapping the ball screen, right? Now, some of you maybe did. Some of you maybe are savvy enough and, and watching live you picked that up. I certainly did not. Um, but he makes an adjustment. And it helps. Um, TCU shot 55% for the game. Missouri actually shot 57% for the game. So, uh, you know, uh, Snoop says, imagine winning a game where we gave up 98 points. Yeah, it, it doesn't happen much, but it did happen today. And and we're going to the phone line now. 314, who am I talking to? Hey, this is Tyler. Um, first off, uh, very fun game to watch. Uh, enjoyable yeah. on, on a Saturday afternoon. Obviously, Tillman and, and Pinson played great. Um, it's weird. I, even though Tillman had, a, what, I think, 33 or something, there's still times where I thought he should have got even more touches uh, throughout the game, especially at the end when I think he had a backup center on him um, for the end of the game and, and overtime. Um, so, my two questions. One, do you think Tillman should still even get more touches or, you know, was kind of tonight was was enough? And then secondly, um, is there something that that Conzo can do to kind of spark really the role players? Because, you know, the concern or the thing behind this game is that, you know, the switch didn't, the switch with Pickett in the starting lineup didn't really help Mark Smith. Right. And you only got five points from the bench and we're going to need more from those guys because you're not getting, you know, a combined 70 points from Pinson and Tillman every game. <laughs> right. I want to take those in reverse order. So I actually, I told a couple of people this during the game. Here's my worry about this team. Right now, this is a six-man rotation, and that includes Mark Smith, who's, who's not doing a whole lot, right? But what Conzo said after the game, he said, look, we, we need to get him going. Mark Smith took a lot of heat during this game and has a lot during the last few games, and I get it. But, I, you know, I was answering a couple of messages during the game, and I said, okay, but if you sit him, who do you play? Like, there's nobody else there. Yeah. Mitchell Smith might contribute some and make it a, a seven-man rotation, not every game, but but here and there, right? Drew Bugs is going to give you minutes, but, I mean, you're four on five offensively when he plays. So, to me, this is a six-man rotation yeah. right now, and, and it worked today. But you've got to – theoretically, you've got to come back and play again in three days. And what worries me about this team, the way it's constructed right now, is when you get into conference tournament time where you're playing at least three games in three days, or you get into NCAA tournament time where you're playing, you know, you have one off day, is the is the lack of depth something that catches up with them? Um, I, I think it's possible because this is not a deep team. I mean, it's an eight-man rotation in normal times, and right now that's probably down to a six-man rotation. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a thing that's there. Um, like I said, it's always better to talk about the problems after a win, but that's a problem. And then, then your other one was was whether Tillman should get even more touches than he does. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I think – I mean, I said with, with six minutes left, I said Jeremiah Tillman has to touch the ball on every single possession. I don't think – unless it's a fast break – Missouri should not have a possession where Jeremiah Tillman's on the floor where he doesn't at least get a touch. Now, doesn't mean he has to get the shot, but you have to throw the ball in there. I, no more of these. Uh, they had one late against Auburn where Pinson just came down and shot a 26-footer, right? None of that. Yeah. He has to touch the ball on every possession. And the interesting thing to me, there's going to be a time this year, and I thought it might be today, and I even tweeted about it with about three minutes left. 
when you're down six, seven points with three minutes left and you're trying to make a comeback, Jeremiah Tillman's your best player, but can you have him on the floor? Because at what point do other teams just say, we're going to hack him every time down and bet that he doesn't go any better than 50% at the line? So Yeah, no, I, I, I saw you tweet that out too, and it was interesting. I just, you know, in a game like today when he's playing so well and making things though, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, there's no way you're going to pull him out, right? Maybe in a game right. where he's, you know, three for 11, right? And right. he's not making those and one situations. It's a different choice. But today he was just hitting everything around the rim. So he, yeah, he was, he, he was dominant today. I mean, I feel like we've said about six times in the last three weeks, I think that's the best game I've ever seen him play. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's yeah, good no. to see. And, and I think what, what is the best about it for this team, this is a team that's had a lot of balance and they've never really had that guy. Well, now they've got that guy. It's clear who the best player is. And the good thing is, I think he's probably the most well-liked guy in that locker room. Like, if there's anybody that the rest of his teammates would say, I want to see this happen for him, it's Jeremiah Tillman. And I think that's big in the in the sense that nobody else is going to resent all the headlines Jeremiah Tillman's going to get and all that, right? He's put more blood and sweat into this thing than, than anybody on that roster, and he's probably taken more heat than anybody on that roster. So I, I think it's good when when your best player is probably the guy that the, that the rest of the team would say, I really want to see this guy do well. Yeah, no, agreed. It was uh, it's fun to watch back. You know, a win is a win right now. At these right. times, you'll you'll stack them up anyways. So, uh, thanks for doing this and uh, and and uh, MIZ. All right, appreciate the call, Tyler. Thanks a lot, man. Tyler getting it kicked off, and and we welcome all of your calls. Anything you want to talk about about this one, please dial us up. We will keep that number on the screen uh, all show long. Five seven three two three four four nine three five. You can give me a call there, and we can talk about it. And uh, Tyler brought it up a little bit, and I don't know if this is the same Tyler, but scoring 101 points with five points from your bench. I mean, yeah, TCU's bench was great, and Missouri's bench was non-existent, including having a guy who has been a starter on that bench, right? Uh, Mark Smith scored five points. Now, he played 29 minutes, which is the sixth most on the team. Uh, Pickett played 34, but but Mark Smith played 29, and a lot of those were in the first half when Drew Smith was sitting. So he they basically had six starters. They had six guys play 29 minutes or more. After that, you got zero points on zero field goal attempts from Torrance Watson, Drew Bugs, uh, Mitchell Smith, and Parker Brown in a combined 30 minutes. So basically, outside of the top six, you had no points. Uh, five rebounds, three of which were from Mitchell Smith. Um, actually did have five assists from that group, uh, three fouls and a turnover. Um, that's all you got, uh, out of basically your bench. If we count Mark Smith as a starter in this game, and, and I know there aren't six starters, but point being, this is they're going to go as far as as those six guys take them. I mean, there might be one game where Mitchell Smith, you know, plays out of his mind and scores 13 points or where Parker Brown has a few minutes or Torrance Watson comes off the bench and makes a, a couple of threes, whatever. It, it can happen. But for the most part, they're going to go as far as those six guys take them. So, I think we're past the point of talking about hey, Mark Smith needs to lose minutes or this guy needs to lose minutes. No, those are their six best players. Those six guys are going to take them however far they're going to go. And 
if Mark Smith and X Pinson combine to shoot four for 22 like they did at Auburn, Missouri is going to lose. And at one point, that loss is going to mean the end of the season. But these are the six guys you're riding. These are the six guys that are going to take you wherever you may go. I don't know. Um, T-Rise says, love a team that doesn't quit with the way TCU was shooting. A lot of teams would have, and this is a well-coached team. Um, I, I think they are certainly – and look, even when they were down, like this wasn't about coaching today. He didn't coach them not to play defense. We've seen this team play elite defense. They were getting beat. Um, TCU was making shots. This wasn't about coaching even when Missouri was down. This was about getting outplayed by a team playing its A game. Um, but, yeah, they do certainly deserve credit for coming back when everyone outside that arena had given up. I guarantee. I mean, I, I was ready to write about a loss, and I'm, I'm sure everyone else thought it was going to be a loss. And, um, you know, there's no shame in thinking that. But they do deserve a lot of credit. Now, this is a little bit of a results-oriented opinion, right? Because let's say that last three by Pinson doesn't go down and they lose 89-86. Still a nice comeback. Still didn't give up. But all we're talking about is they didn't show up for 34 minutes and how can that happen against TCU and this is a dreadful loss and are they still a tournament team and all that. So they still wouldn't have given up, but the narrative would be completely different based on the, the result. And, and that's not unfair. I get it. But, but just kind of pointing out how, uh, how, the, how slim the margin is, uh, you know. And, uh, Jared, you know, another, another shout-out to Kobe Brown. And, and, look, I appreciate that, um, that people can realize that right during or right after the game. Kobe Brown only scored seven points. And, yes, like he said, it, it, Missouri doesn't win the game without Tillman and Pinson. We know that. But they also don't win the game without Kobe Brown. They also don't win the game without Drew Smith. They don't win the game without Javon Pickett scoring 11 points or without Mark Smith hitting a three and making a couple of big defensive plays, one of which may have been a foul. Um, this is why I tend not to harp too much on officiating, right? We, you, get, you get real upset about it on, on Tuesday night at Auburn. Let me tell you what the stats were today from the free throw line. Missouri 21 of 35, TCU 13 of 17. Personal fouls, 16 on Missouri, 23 on TCU. I guarantee you Jamie Dixon thinks there are a couple that should have been called. I thought one could have very well been called on Mark Smith late. They missed one where Jeremiah Tillman just murdered a guy. Um, so those things even out is my point. If you, if you think you got the shaft on Tuesday night, you probably have to admit TCU might have gotten a little bit of a shaft tonight, right? Um, a couple of people pointing out that free throws are becoming an issue. So, I mean, yes and no. Tillman was 7 of 15. If you take him out, Missouri was 14 of 20 from the line. That's 70%. The, and two of those misses were from Kobe Brown late. Now, those two hurt. Uh, but Missouri ended up getting the rebound anyway. So, you know, they were a, above 70% shooting for the most part as a team, which is, that's kind of the mark. If you're over 70 as a team, that's pretty good. Now, for the game, they were actually only 60 because Tillman was 7 of 15, and that goes back to what I was talking about earlier. Do you do you stick with Tillman in a tight game late? You kind of have to because he's your best player and best rebounder and really good defender, but... 
you might have to get into a little offense defense sometimes because there's going to be a game where team where a team's just going to send him to the line and and make him win the game by shooting free throws and and the way he's been doing it um you know hasn't happened um need to fix the defense two straight games where we got exposed adam says um in again conzo said you know they made an adjustment they fixed fixed some of it during the game I almost write the Auburn game off for two reasons. Because they're not going to face Sharif Cooper again this season. They're not going to face a guy like him. Um, he is a, one of the quickest and, and best guards in the country. Um, also, it was the second game of back-to-back -back road games where they didn't even go home. Auburn didn't shock me. Now, today's concerning. TCU's last three games coming into this, it had scored 46, 49, and 51. It had 53 with 16 minutes left. It scored 89 in regulation. They'd been averaging 66 points a game. They basically scored 30% over their season average. Um, now, some of that is they hit shots they don't normally hit, but some of it's also they got shots they don't normally get. So I'd say it's half and half. It's good offense and bad defense combined. So I'm not – look, if there's one thing I'm not super worried about with the Conzo Martin team, it's defense. I, they'll be fine. Um, today wasn't great, but they managed to – well, today was awful. I – I shouldn't have said it wasn't great. It was awful. But they managed to cover it. Um, and so, you know, they give out – they play Kentucky on Tuesday night. Theoretically, we don't know actually if that's going to happen because Kentucky might not be able to play, couldn't play today. But if they do play, you don't want to see 80 again. Uh, Missouri had gone 19 straight games without giving up 80 points. They've now given up 88 and 89 in regulation in the last two. So – I'm not ready to say two games is a trend. I'm not ready to say it's time to worry about it yet. But keep an eye on it against Kentucky on Tuesday night. And then Alabama, you know, next Saturday, obviously. Um, let's see, rolling through some of the uh, some of the comments. Bradley and TCU were literally the same game. Um, They were the same game in one way, and they were complete opposite games in the other way. I mean, both teams in this game had more points than Missouri won that Bradley game with at like the 14 minute mark they were the same game in the sense that you are playing a team that you should have beaten relatively easy and it took you until the five minute mark or the three minute mark in the Bradley game to to wake up and do so in that sense they were the same game the style of game the way Missouri played obviously completely different I mean um, you know, Missouri scored 54 points in the Bradley game, and and Tillman and Pence, or Tillman and Pinson alone uh, scored 69 in this one. Adam has maybe a better uh, a better comp. It was the LSU game a couple years ago, but instead Missouri was on the comeback. That was where Missouri blew a 12 point lead in the final two minutes, I think, and ended up losing in overtime. Um, yeah, it, look, we look at everything from the Missouri side of things, right? Um, which I understand why you're Missouri fans. I cover Missouri. That's that's the point of view we have. But if you are a TCU fan, if you are Jamie Dixon, you're going to have a sleepless night tonight trying to figure out how you lost that game. I mean, TCU, even after the comeback from Missouri, they absolutely should not have lost that game. They had the stop with 10 seconds left, give up an offensive rebound. Pinson gets the three. I mean – Jamie Dixon is going to be absolutely sick about that one. There is no question. Um, Missouri's not had great shot selection the last couple games. 
I don't know, man. I'm not going to argue with the shot selection in this game. Missouri, Missouri shot 57% for the game, 48% from three, 61% in the second half. Um, Tillman was 13 to 16 and Pinson was 10 of 19. Those are the guys you want taking the shots. I Only six guys took shots and only four of them took more than four. I mean, Kobe Brown, Kobe Brown took three shots today. He was two for three. Um, Mark Smith took four. He didn't have it, and he knew it, and he didn't shoot. Um, other than that, Drew Smith, four of eight from the floor. Javon Pickett, five of 11 from the floor, including his only three. Pinson, 10 of 15. Tillman, 13 of 16. So what that means is four of the six guys who attempted shot shot 50% from the floor. One of them who was under 50% was under by one shot. Uh, I, I completely actually disagree. Shot selection was – there were issues in this game. Uh, but Mark, I don't, I don't think shot selection was one of them. Um, yeah, David Newman bringing up the point about Mark Smith, and this is—I mean, it's a team game, right? You don't, you don't win games in basketball where you say, "Well, that guy didn't give us anything at all." Everybody has to chip in. That's kind of how it works. We're going back to the three one four area code. Who am I talking to? Hey there, Gabe. My name's Elias. Longtime listener, first time caller. Appreciate it, Elias. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Really enjoyed that game. And I think one thing, kind of a comment rather than a question, one thing I really, really appreciate about this team is the fact that we've got a lot of guys that have grown up in this program. And they know the kind of winning plays you got to make. You think about the offensive rebounds by Kobe Brown. You think about stops at the end when we needed it. You know, not often, but at least with the Kobe Brown steal. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's just very nice to see a team that's like, really for the first time in a while at Missouri that has really grown up under the same coach, same system. It really has an identity, knows what it takes to win. You know, a lot of things to fix from this game, obviously, right. but just really fun watching a team that really has a lot of good chemistry. And I feel like is able to make yeah. the plays down it, the stretch. Yeah. That's experience, right? I mean, what you look at the last seven years of Missouri basketball. I, I mean, we went ages without guys staying three years in the program, much less four. And now you've got a whole roster full of guys. I mean, Kobe Brown is like the short timer here, and this is his second full season. Um, and that, especially in this season where teams didn't have a lot of practice time, that counts for a lot. But it counts a lot for a lot on days like today where they go, hey, we've been in games where teams have come back from 12 down with five minutes left, right? We've been on both sides of it. So we know this is this is possible. Um, and I, I agree. It's a, I also think, and, and you tell me, this might be part of what you were saying. It makes it much more easy to get invested in a team as a fan when they're guys that have been here and invested in the program. I mean, you know, sometimes you get a Cassius Robertson that can win you over in one year, right? But but those teams, like the teams that had Jordan Clarkson and Jabari Brown and those guys, I always felt like, hey, they were pretty good teams, but I felt like fans kind of had a hard time getting behind them because they're going, yeah, I don't know, man. Those guys are here for six months, and then it's some other guys who are here for six months. And I think – Having a consistent people that are here for three and four years makes it easier to cheer for as a fan. Am I wrong there? No, you're exactly right. And I think there was even a span once where it was like Lawrence Bowers graduated as fifth year senior, and then we didn't have another four year senior graduate, I think, until Ryan Rossberg. It was Rossberg, yeah. It was like, like a five year stretch or six year stretch or something. Exactly. We've been such a revolving door. I'm like, yeah, I mean, Jabari Brown loved him, but he was here a year and a half, right. you know? Alex Oriaki loved him, but he was here a year. Even 
you know, Cash is here for a year. Jonte here for, you know, two years and only got to play one. Like, it's so much different looking up and down the roster. And even though, I mean, you know, we've got some transfers in terms of, you know, right. two of the Smiths, but up and down the roster, it's guys we've been watching for years. And I totally right. agree on that last point. Yeah, and even so. Mark Smith, he's a transfer, but this is his third year. You know, I mean, he's he's not like a, a new guy here. And next year they're going to bring in six freshmen who theoretically are, are going to be three- or four-year players. And I think that's something Missouri basketball has been I, – I mean, yes, you loved Marcus Denman and Kim English and Lawrence Bowers and those guys because they won a lot of games. But you also loved them because you saw them from day one, and, and they were here as, as seniors. And I, I actually think that's the way you win if you're a program like Missouri. If you're Kentucky, yeah, you go sign the blue chippers, and they're here for a year, and then you recycle them and, and sign the other ones. But if you're at a program that's not signing those guys, the best path is probably to keep guys together three and four years. Mm-hmm. So. Exactly. Totally agree. Well, yeah, thanks for taking my call. I'll – uh I'll leave you to the other other comments and callers. Sure, a lot to talk about, but yeah, thanks for chatting, and uh, yeah, I'll keep listening. Hope to talk soon. Sounds good, Elia. Thanks for calling, man. Don't be a stranger. Feel free to uh, to call back. We do this after every single game. Presented by Burger Smokehouse. Logo is up there in the right hand corner. Uh, all kinds of smoked meats, cured meats, great stuff. You can get them. They've got huge displays at Schnucks and uh, Hy-Vee. Those are the grocery stores I go to, but I, I know they're all over the state at Price Chopper. I think you can get them at Gerbs. Uh, you can get them anywhere you want. So uh, make sure to support the people that support us. We appreciate um, We're up. We've been up about 150 people watching this, this entire show. I think the last game we were up at, at about 200, something like that. So, uh, we appreciate that. We do our Wednesday night shows. Uh, we're really trying to make this uh, more interactive this year, and Burger Smokehouse has been a big part of allowing us to do that. So go to smokehouse.com, and you can get all of their products. I hope you do that. I hope at some point, if you ever uh, meet someone from Burgers, let them know, hey, uh, you know that, that you found out about them or you heard about them at least. You probably know about them because they're a mid-Missouri company, but let them know you heard about them here and uh, support the people that support us. We'll head back and, and again, do want to encourage you. We've had a couple people call in. If you want to call in, if you're, uh, you know, maybe you're driving home from Columbia, maybe you're sitting in your house watching the other SEC Big 12 games that are going on, and we're going to put those uh, scores across the bottom here in just a minute. Um, but feel free to give me a call at 573-234-4935. Um, would love to hear from you, uh, see what you think about this game and what it means for Missouri going forward. We've got those other Big 12 SEC scores. I'll get to some more comments in the chat here in a minute, but want to run through what's going on in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Alabama hadn't lost in SEC play all year. They lose at Norman, Oklahoma, 66-61. Saw some OU players with some disparaging comments about how uh, the SEC is down, and uh, Alabama hasn't really faced a team that plays a lot of defense. And I don't know if the second one's true. Look, the first one's true. The SEC's not great. The Big 12's a better conference this year. I would expect them to win this thing. But a big win for Oklahoma. We're going to head back to the phone lines real quick in the 660 area code. Who am I talking with? Hey, Gabe, it's Nick. What's up, Nick? How you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing good. Man, it seemed like in the second half, Coach Martin went to uh, Mark Smith on, on Miles, their primary ball handler there a lot. And I thought that was an odd decision. Um, seems like Mark Smith's not our best defender, uh, primary ball handler. So what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, actually, um, 
you know, you would think Pinson, but Pinson was getting beat off the dribble a fair amount, I thought, in the first half. And Drew Smith, like, Drew Smith just can't defend without fouling. I, I mean, he had two fouls in the first half, and it's been a, a common theme. I know that Conzo really likes uh, Mark Smith's defense, so I think he probably does feel like he's kind of the best option at that point. Miles had a huge game, obviously. Um, you know, I don't think anybody – Missouri put on him really stopped, but um, Mark Smith did play some nice defense down the stretch. Not so much maybe in those first 10, 12 minutes of the second half, but but he did come up with a couple plays down the stretch. And I understand because I kind of think the same thing. You wouldn't think it's the most logical choice, but given what he had, I, I mean, I guess your other choice is, is probably Javon Pickett. Uh, really, because I thought Pickett did the best job against Sharif Cooper on Tuesday night. So I, I think it's probably one of those two guys most times just because I, I just don't know how much you can trust Drew Smith to stay out there when he's got a defensive assignment like that. Oh, I agree. I thought uh, Pickett should have got a little more opportunity. I mean, I, I agree with you there against uh, Cooper, against Auburn. He, uh, I thought he did the, the best job on him. You know, he didn't get many opportunities. But, uh, but I'd like to see Pickett get a little more uh, opportunity against Miles today. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, I, I, Miles obviously had a big game. Uh, Missouri's defense wasn't good, but it made enough stops, right? It's kind of like the LSU football game. Yeah, the defense was bad, but when it had to have a stop, it got a stop. And I, I guess you give them a little bit of credit for that. So, Yeah, I agree 100%, Dave. I appreciate you doing the show, and I'll hang up and listen. All right, thanks a lot, Nick. Appreciate the call. And do also want to say uh, we had a little problem. I know there was somebody from the 815 area code trying to call there. I was trying to add your call, and for some reason Skype wasn't letting me do it. So if you call back now, the phone line is free. I, I will definitely get to you. Um, don't know don't know what happened there, but call back, and, and we'll get you on the show. Do appreciate everybody who, who takes the time to call in and, and wants to talk about this one with us. A lot to talk about. I, again, just, just in terms of pure excitement, that's – I mean, yeah, you want to beat TCU by more. But that's one of the more exciting games I've seen at Mizzou Arena in a long time. Um, 200 total points, overtime, tight throughout. You know, Missouri did not lead uh, from the four-minute mark in the first half, I think, until overtime. Um, I'm going to have to double-check that. I don't think Missouri ever led in the second half. I'll check that after this call. But, uh, yeah, 815 area code. Appreciate you calling back, man. Who am I talking to? How's it going, Gabe? It's Ron. What's up, Ron? How you doing, man? Doing okay. Doing okay. Um, again, I, like uh, just about everyone else who was watching the game, uh, decided to turn off the TV, decided to do something <laughs> different for the next uh next couple of minutes and said, Hey, you know what? If they come back, that's great. Um, saw a, a tweet from, uh, from the Mitchell 40 saying that, uh, this game's back in place. So I turned it back on. Certainly happy that I did that. Thanks to Mitchell for, uh, delivering the news there. So, well, um, we'll see. I'm yeah, impressed with anybody who actually admits they turned it off. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> that, that takes a little bit of, uh, humility, I think. Of course. No, I mean, yeah, I, I thought like, yeah, I thought the game was over, and um, well, you know, yeah. that's why they that's why they pulled the, they, that's why they played the full uh, allotment of bits, and then right. and then some more days. You're like you're and, like one of the guys yeah. who's brake lights you can see over the right field wall when Kirk Gibson's home run flies out that tells all his friends he was at Game <laughs> One of the '88 World Series. So, <laughs> very good, very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, just a, a few uh, a few comments, few observations, um, or at least one that I'm I'm kind of hoping to speak into. Uh, into existence here. Um, Xavier Pinson, man, just 
after kind of a, a clunker of a game last uh, last time out against Sharif Cooper, where um, I, I I don't know if he necessarily dominated him, but uh, he certainly. Uh, I think he did. You know. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's do that. But you know, a very nice bounce that game for him, especially on the offensive uh, side of the ball, clutch. Any any chance he's coming back next year, Gabe, or or is he? Are we kind of resigned to the fact that he's probably gone? Yeah. You know, I I wrote about that after. I think it was in my mailbag on Wednesday. To me, that's the most important recruiting pitch Conzo Martin has to make this offseason, right? Is you go to X Pinson and you say, look, I get it. You want to go pro. I mean, does anybody think he's an NBA player right now? I, I like yeah. him, but I don't see NBA there. And I'm not sure I see NBA next year. So the one thing that we never kind of take into account, because we just view this – man, I would love to play college sports and, and, and all that. Well, it, we have to take two things into account here. We don't know, you know, I, I don't know X's personal situation. I don't know if he comes from money, no money, but anywhere in between, and it's not really any of my business. But some of these kids, you know, do want the opportunity, obviously, to go and, and make money. The second thing is these guys put in so much time. They travel all over the country. They basically have a 50 to 60-hour-a-week job being a – uh, basketball player and then they also have to be a student and go to class and like they have to go to class because those things are checked I, like I remember Phil Pressy mm -hmm. I told people nonstop for a year the reason he's leaving isn't because he thinks he's an in, he's going to get drafted in the NBA he doesn't want to be a college student anymore he wants to go make money and play mm -hmm. basketball and and so maybe that's the situation with Pinson but if I'm Martin I'm doing everything I can to say look you can come back and you can lead this team next year. And by the way, what you can also do is help ease this transition. So, look, I don't know if we're making the tournament next year, but with you, we have a chance. And if you help ease this transition to the next class of guys, you're going to be really well remembered by a lot of these fans as a guy who a guy who helped bridge from the Tillman era, the Tillman Drew Smith era into, you know, the, the Cata, whatever era, the next era is out of that recruiting class. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I, it just feels like for the last like couple of years, we kind of did the same thing with, with Tillman um, and yep. kind of resigned the fact that he was going pro, even though maybe the production didn't necessarily um, maybe warrant an early jump to the NBA, but Martin convinced him to come back or maybe he just, or Toma just decided to hunker down and, and come back and work on his game. And yeah. we certainly uh, are seeing and, the, the fruits of that later there. So that's and really I think that's a great example to hold up yeah. to Pinson, right? Say, look at your teammate. He came back and he's playing the best basketball of his career. He's going to be first team all conference and everybody freaking loves him in this fan base. That's you next year. If you come back, I mean, that's yeah. your pitch. Yeah. So. And and hopefully that comes to fruition. But you know, I'm still, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to be the guy to, to look ahead next season. But it's certainly, uh, it's certainly yeah. looming, and hopefully that's uh, that's a bridge. Absolutely. Um, one other comment, yeah. One other comment that I have, if you, if you don't mind. Um, so this this is kind of a, a good time to you know look at you know Missouri's hierarchy in mm -hmm. the SEC. Like again, they didn't get a great draw today in this in this tournament, but. It feels like they've done they've done a lot of uh, praise heaped on them throughout the years, by throughout this year by announcers and like oh Missouri, you know, Towns of Martin, he's really coaching them up. Do you think that like this win wasn't necessarily like, um, you know, it would have been a detriment or a blow to like their their seating in the tournament? But I almost feel like it was equally as important for the reputation 
uh, to win this game and and not be the, the team that lost to a not-so-great TCU team. And yeah. kind of along those lines, where do you think they truly belong, like, program-wise, in the hierarchy of the SEC? Yeah, it doesn't hurt to have done this in front of Greg Sankey. Um, you know, he was, he was at the game today. Mm-hmm. Look, the SEC needs Missouri to be good at basketball because the truth is most of the SEC doesn't care this, that much about this sport. There's, there's about five or six teams who care about it. Kentucky obviously cares more than anybody else. Uh, they're insane. Um, but then that next level of, of give a damn about basketball is Missouri, Arkansas, I'd throw Tennessee in there. It's not nearly as important as football, but they do care about basketball. Florida at times. Um, Vandy at times. You know, but that's about it. I mean, when Missouri came into this league, everybody thought, well, they're a nice little speed bump on the way to the title game in football. But basketball, like, they can really do some things for us. And there is no reason, in my opinion, that Missouri basketball should not be a fairly regular top four team in this league and look you're never going to be the best program in this league that is Kentucky it's not I don't care if it's now or 50 years from now Kentucky's the best program in this league but there's no reason Missouri can't be in the discussion there with Arkansas and Florida as you know number two in this league um over over a five ten year stretch I, I think they absolutely should so Excellent. And, and Gabe, just uh, if you don't mind, well, like one quick hitter before I, I let you go. Yep. Again, we all kind of acknowledge that you know this uh, this matchup, I guess, wasn't the sexiest of all the uh, right of all the games today. Um, so maybe just program or program or, or season to season, what what do you think Mizzou's regular matchup should be aside from maybe just like the obvious draw of of having them play Kansas, but yeah. just kind of curious for your thoughts on who their peer is in the Big 12. Right I now. mean, the way they usually do it is is it has something to do with standings the previous two years. It's not one for one. It's not first place against first place, second against second, but it, it's, it's pretty close, <laughs> right, over an aggregate two-year span. So, you know, like right now, I think it would be a fun matchup with Texas Tech, uh, with Oklahoma. Now there are times that might be West Virginia, that might be – you know, uh, if Kansas State's up or if Iowa State's up. Um, but TCU doesn't bring anything to the table as a basketball program. It's it's not fun. Um, but, mm-hmm. hey, you, you take the one you get and, and you move on. And, and you just to- – I mean, there were a couple of years there where we were complaining Missouri didn't even get to play in this thing. So, I guess you take what they give you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Hey, Gabe, thanks for hanging out with me for a little bit, and uh, I'll watch the rest of the show. You guys are doing a great job. Appreciate Sounds good. It. Thanks, Ron. Let's move on now to the 940 area code. Appreciate you hanging on, man. Who am I talking to? Yeah, this is Ed and Denton, and uh, the, the one – everything – I really agree with almost everything you said, except for you're talking about a six-man rotation, and you're totally leaving out a very, very good player. Now, granted, he didn't play much today, because of certain situations, but the player is Mitchell Smith. Yeah. And he's averaging going into the day, he's averaging 20.6 minutes and he's shooting 15 for 17 on free throws, 88%. Um, he's third in rebounds. And I think the reason why he didn't play that much, especially in the second half was a lot of times they were behind and he's not a big score. Mm-hmm. Pickett's a lot better score. Brown at times can be a better score. But if you look at the Tennessee game, I mean, he played like 25 minutes in the Tennessee game, plays most of the second half. Uh, he's a good defender. And if they foul him, he makes his free throws. 
that that's fair. So he's definitely that that's fair. Definitely uh, a quality player. Yeah, Mitchell Smith is more a part of this rotation. It it is. I mean, it's an eight man rotation normally. Mitchell Smith and Drew Bugs are usually going to play more than they do today. Uh, now Drew Bugs is he's not a threat offensively, um, and and hasn't been all year. Mitchell Smith will he to me here's here's what this team is is you're going to get if you get Pinson Drew and Tillman all playing well on the same day you've got a real shot to do things Missouri has two and a half I'd say like consistent impact players right now it's Tillman every game it's generally Pinson or Drew Smith but it's usually not both of them if you can get that third guy that's when you play well in the games you don't have the third guy that's where you struggle um, it, because, again, you're not getting 69 out of those top two usually. But but Mitchell Smith fits in with Pickett, with Mark Smith, and with Kobe Brown to me as guys who there's going to be a game along the way that you look at and say Mitchell Smith was huge in winning that game. It's not going to be every game. It's probably not going to be half the games. But there are definitely going to be games where Mitchell Smith is going to be a big part of winning it. There's no question there. Smith's important in the second half. Uh, one comment about Javon Pickett. You know, he, he kind of looks chubby and everything, but he is really deadly sometimes coming in from the from the wing, from the side. Mm-hmm. And uh, so sometimes when the team is kind of stagnant and so on, he gets the ball and makes one-on-one plays that that other people really don't make. So yeah, I think he, he's kind of a he's kind of a. a he kind of mixes up things when things aren't going well. Yeah, I think Javon Pickett's two biggest strengths are this. He knows his role better than anybody on the team. He knows what they need him to do, and he embraces that. Like Conzo said in the postgame, he doesn't care if he starts. Every game's the same. He's a construction worker 24-7. He just comes and he's ready to go. The second thing is I think he probably consistently – comes the closest to maximizing his talent of anyone on this roster, right? Because Pinson and Tillman have today in them, but you don't see today often enough. Javon Pickett doesn't have today in him, but he's usually probably closer to 100% of himself than almost anybody else on this roster. And I think that's a, a big part of why Conzo likes him so much. Yes, and also it's nice to have him in late in the game because He's shooting 84 uh, yep. percent on free throws. He's a good free throw shooter. He's a good defender. He's he's the guy. He's JT Tiller. Like he does a lot of. He's not that good defensively, but he does a ton of things for you that a lot of people who don't watch all 40 minutes or every game might not notice. But if you watch this whole season, at the end of the year, you'll say Javon Pickett was a big part of us winning games. True. Thank you so much. Great, great show as always. Thanks, Take Ed. Appreciate the call, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for being a part of it, and uh, thanks to to everybody who has called in, and and certainly you're still welcome to. We're at about an hour, but we've still uh, still got a, a pretty good number of people on here. Appreciate all you guys who are here. A bunch of you now know how this works. You you have hit the like button and everything already. If you haven't done that yet, do that on the show. Subscribe to the channel. It really does help us out. It helps us be a little bit more visible to people. Help spread the word about what we're doing, and uh, hey, we like we like it when people come here and hang out with us. So, hopefully, uh, hopefully we can get more and more people as the season goes on, and we get closer to the uh, the games that really matter. Not that the SEC Big Twelve 
challenge doesn't really matter of course it does um but you know there there are other games that that might be more important down the road so um want to we were talking about the sec big 12 challenge before we got some of those calls we we uh, discussed the alabama ou game texas a&m kansas state i will not discuss texas a&m one good for them don't care i'm not going to talk about that uh texas tech and lsu actually in a pretty good game that i think lsu led for for quite a bit of the time and then uh then dropped late florida big win for the sec at west virginia 85 80 uh, Baylor is doing what Baylor does to Auburn. I can update that score now. It's actually uh, 74-60. Baylor's got a legit shot to, to – Baylor and Gonzaga could, like, meet in the national title game with neither team having a loss. Baylor's about to go to 16-0. and Oklahoma State currently up 79-77 on Arkansas with 21 seconds to play. I can't watch the game, obviously, while I'm doing this, so I don't know the situation um, other than Oklahoma State is up. I don't know who has the ball. Oklahoma State's got a timeout. That's all I can tell you. Um, but uh, Oklahoma State and Arkansas in a, uh, in a tight one excuse me, in Stillwater. So let's uh, let's jump back to the phone line here now and let's go to the 816 area code. Who am I talking with? Hi, uh, this is Michael. And uh, I wanted to talk about this. I've been watching a ton of these games lately and Tillman's always playing so well, mm-hmm. but I still don't think he's going to have a lot of translation to pro level. Where do you think he ends up playing after Mizzou? Yeah, I I think he's probably a guy that goes to Europe. I mean, maybe... Maybe he's playing himself into like a G League or a you know a two way contract. Maybe, but here's the thing: in in this six seven game stretch where he has been dominant, what do we think the the furthest from the basket he has made a shot is? Six feet. Yeah, maybe. Every time he shoots, like he shoots such good free throws, but then when he like pulls up from like the elbow, it's like, man, what are you doing? Right, he's got great footwork in the post, but I think so often we underestimate the level of difference between being a good college basketball player and a good pro basketball player. There are guys Jeremiah Tillman size in the NBA who who make like six threes a game. You know, now those are the the elite ones, but you you can't play in the NBA if you don't have an eighteen foot jump shot. Maybe Jeremiah has that, but we've never seen it here. Um. I, I have a really hard time seeing him as an NBA player because I just I, I don't see the the skill set there to be that. And that's not an insult to him. Like again, I think people underestimate the NBA. You know, I remember when when Jordan Barnett was getting hot his senior year, people said, Oh, is he is he gonna get drafted? No, he's probably not. Because I think just the level from here to there is so much bigger than we realize. I, and I don't watch the NBA. I'm not. I'm not an NBA fan. So I think a lot of people that watch college basketball don't watch the NBA, and they probably underestimate how good you have to be to play at that level. Yeah, and uh, I just got one more question. How well do you think this uh, Mizzou team matches up against Kentucky next week? I know they've kind of been getting hot, and they have the talent to obviously be anyone in the nation, but they're still. They still have had a disappointing season. Yeah, if Kentucky puts it like all together on the right day, they can probably beat anybody in the country. But they're five and ten, um, and they haven't put anything together all year. They can't shoot at all. I mean, they don't shoot threes at all. Um, Missouri should win that game. 
I mean, I think if it's played, and we don't know, obviously, if it's going to be played, but if it's played, I would imagine Missouri's like a four or five point favorite at home against Kentucky. Um, and, and it's not like a crippling loss that's inexcusable if you lose. It's, it, it's not what losing this game, frankly, would have been. But it's going in with, with Alabama coming in Saturday. Kentucky on Tuesday is a, is a game Missouri should and kind of needs to win, I think. So I haven't gotten into the individual matchups. I haven't watched a ton of Kentucky this year, to be honest. But this is not the usual Kentucky team. We wanted to, and I did too. So I'm not saying, not casting any, uh, any shade here. But like all along, I said, well, they're going to be better in February. They're not that much better. Um, I, you know, they're under 500 in the league, and, and it's a game Missouri should win. All right. Uh, thanks for taking my call. All right, Michael. Appreciate the call, man. Thanks a lot. And uh, thanks again. If you want to take part in the show, if you want to give me a call, please do. I'm here. Um, we will uh, talk for as long as you guys want to talk. I mean, it's still early. It's, uh, you know, it's 5 o'clock. I got all kinds of time to, to do the rest of my work uh, today. So I will uh, I will do it whenever we're done. We'll hang out here as long as you guys want to hang out. I'm going to roll through um, – through some of these comments now in the chat uh, while the phone line is uh, is dead. Mark says, Mark Kettler says Mark Smith needs better screens set for him. He's not a guy who's going to create his own space, and we've been setting poor screens all year. I, I mean, he's definitely not a guy that's going to go create his own one-on-one. He's a spot-up shooter. Um, I will I, – I mean, I'll fully admit in just watching a game live, I'm not focusing a ton on – the screens which you're talking about, I will trust you. Um, you know, it's something that that might be worth certainly looking at. Um, but yeah, he is a spot up shooter. Um, Tillman really had improved his free throw shooting in the last couple of years. Sixty five percent from him is just great, and it's surprising to see this. Yeah, he's down. He's right about fifty percent this year, um, and that is down from the last couple of years. I think career he's fifty five, but the last couple of years I think he's been closer to sixty. If he can get up to sixty, um, you know, I think you would be uh pretty happy with that. Let's see. Uh keep on rolling through. A lot of people talking about how they uh how they turned the game off. Stuart West said he cut some firewood. Look at least you did something productive, man. Uh Justin Ferguson with us. Listen to Mike Kelly. Um, let's see. Okay. Ed's asking about the MVP. I mean, it's hard because it has to be Tillman or Pinson, right? And you take your pick, but I mean, 36 and 33, you really can't ignore that. Um, and Kobe Brown made some huge plays late and deserves a lot of credit, but Tillman and Pinson kept them in the game. I think it's Tillman because he did it all day long. But, I mean, so did Pinson. Pinson had 10 at halftime. I, you got to go co-MVPs for this one. I don't know if you can if you can choose between one or the other. And, and want to uh, shout out Ed for giving us the super chat. Always appreciate that, Ed. I appreciate you being here all the time. Haven't forgotten, by the way, you, you owe me lunch from one of our football bets. I can't remember what it was, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do it eventually. But, um Appreciate that, Ed, just tossing us a little little, uh, little extra thank you. And, and we never ask for those, but we never turn them down either. So uh, so thank you for that. Lucas is asking uh, what the ranking is come Monday. So let me, let me scroll over 
uh, real quick. Oklahoma State, by the way, now up four on Arkansas with two seconds to go. So I think the Cowboys are going to get that win. Baylor is up 12 on Auburn. So, um, yeah, I think uh, – I think the Bears are, are safe to stay undefeated there. Let me update these scores real quick, and then I will go to the polls. And let's check out kind of what happened around Missouri, because Missouri obviously did lose a game this week. It is not a bad loss. Losing losing at Auburn wasn't a bad loss. Um, Alabama's at nine. They lost a game this week. They'll stay above Missouri. West Virginia just got beat by Florida, but – you know, they beat Texas Tech earlier in the week, so I'm not sure Missouri jumps West Virginia. Um, you know, Kansas is down a, three spots below Missouri. Florida State's four spots below. Those teams could jump over Missouri. They'll be somewhere between 12 and 15, I think. Um, you know, they're 12 right now. If they fall, I don't see it being more than about three spots. Um, Illinois is down at 19 and Tennessee's at 18, and Missouri's beaten both of those teams, so – uh, Oklahoma will jump up, but but not all the way from 24. I, I think it's somewhere in the I'll, – I'll say they're ranked 14th or 15th uh, come Monday. Um, let's see. Yeah, T-Rise agrees, 12 to 14. Breakfast King saying 14 or 15. I think that's all about fair. Um, Jared says Mizzou, and Arcan Mizzou won, Arkansas lost. Now you need a Kansas loss. They are at Tennessee. That game actually – just started so um people might be uh watching that uh, here's a great mark kettler brings up a great point look it's not fair to compare a guy to lebron right but lebron is like close to tillman's size i mean he's thicker and i think he's more six nine uh than six ten but like that's that's the difference between really good in college and, and, and really good in the nba right um so the the question now is when does Missouri play next? Um, Tuesday night against Kentucky is the hope. It is not out of the question. Kentucky went on a 48-hour pause yesterday. Obviously, 48 hours is tomorrow. If they get the right results and contact tracing goes the way they want it to, then it is possible that Kentucky can play at Missouri on Tuesday night. The other possibility is, is if someone else were to have an issue with COVID, then maybe, you know, Missouri doesn't play Kentucky, but still plays someone on Tuesday night. And that is not out of the question. If that game doesn't happen, then Missouri has a week off before it will face Alabama, 9-0 uh, and in the SEC, number nine right now. We'll see where they are in the polls on Monday. 9-0 and in the SEC, that game was supposed to be at 7.30. It is moved to 11 a.m. next Saturday on ESPN. It's kind of that, I don't want to say primetime because primetime's at night, but it's kind of really the prime college basketball spot, 11 a.m. That's where you want to be. It should be top 15 teams, I would think. Um, you know, Missouri's got Kentucky on Tuesday, and if, if they can, and then Alabama would, their midweek game this week is... LSU at home on February 3rd, which would be also Tuesday, I believe. So um, Alabama and Missouri slated for next Saturday morning at 11 a.m. So that's what the week looks like for Mizzou. Um, so, yeah, I think we've covered it, guys. 102.98, um, 
tons to talk about. Appreciate all the participation here. Um, and, and you guys making this worth our time worth doing. Appreciate Burger Smokehouse for helping us out and making it all possible. All the calls, all the comments, really appreciate it. Mitchell Forty has a ton of stuff um, coming uh, from the game. He will have full post-game notebook. He's going to, tomorrow morning, have uh, a story after talking to Greg Sankey today, the SEC commissioner. Uh, Sankey talked with some local reporters, and Mitchell will have something on that. I'm going to have Conzo's uh, post-game video. I will convert this to podcast form. I'll have some more stuff, uh, some more thoughts on the message board for you guys this evening as well. And real quick, quick before we go, Mitchell Maglio brings up a good point. Um, thoughts on the MPJ Puma AAU team in Columbia. So if you guys didn't see it, it was just announced uh, – hour and a half ago, I think, that Michael Porter Jr. and Puma are going to sponsor and fully fund an AAU team in mid-Missouri. Uh, I have heard talks of maybe building a new facility for them. That hasn't happened, obviously, yet. But if things go well, I think it's not out of the question. Michael Porter Sr. is on the board, I know. Not sure who the coach is going to be. Not sure what the situation is going to be. They're talking about tryouts in March. It is... Basically, they're taking over Team Carroll, which was was Damari's AAU team. Michael Porter Jr. is is going to fully fund that for kids in mid Missouri. Um, I wouldn't think it could hurt Missouri. You know, uh, get get area kids, uh, regional kids playing for that team in Columbia, um, funded by a guy who went to Mizzou. Obviously, didn't go the way everybody hoped it would, but he did play at Missouri, and, and so did his brother. His dad coached here, all that. So I, I don't think it can be a bad thing for Missouri. And, and I've, I, I reached out because I heard about this this morning. I reached out, and I'm hoping to get Michael Porter Sr. And eventually, at some point, Michael Porter Jr. as well on uh, one of our shows to talk about it. Mike Jr. has a season going on, probably won't be able to do it for a while. I'm hoping maybe Sr. will be able to do it a little bit sooner. But that is something we're going to talk about. Um, so uh, hopefully we will get one or both of the Porters to do that. Appreciate you bringing that up, Mitchell. I kind of had forgotten about it in, in the frenzy of talking to, about the game and all that. But um, appreciate all you guys being here and uh, making this uh, something worth doing after Missouri games. Before you sign off, before I sign off, just hit the like button. If you haven't done so, subscribe to the channel. You'll be able to find out when we go live. If Missouri plays on Tuesday night, we will be live at 7 o'clock leading up to the Kentucky game. If not, We'll have the 573 report for you on Wednesday, and then we'll be live with you with basketball coverage next Saturday morning against Alabama. Thanks for watching Mizzou, a 102-98 winner over TCU in overtime. Going to uh, probably grab something to eat, check out Kansas and Tennessee, and we'll have plenty of postgame coverage coming your way on PowerMizzou.com.